Well, greetings, everyone. So great to have you with us. Uh, This is Christian. I'm your podcast host. And today I do have a guest uh, host, Mr. Mark Patrick. So I'd like to toss it over to you, Mark. Maybe you can say a few words to introduce yourself. Thank you, Christian. Good afternoon. Um, Again, my name is Mark Patrick, and I'm the care pastor here at Colonial, soon to be Meeting House. And uh, delighted to be here uh, with you talking about Lent this afternoon. I, I grew up as an old Baptist, which meant we didn't do a lot of the church holidays and holy days and a lot of the church year uh, events. Uh, I came to appreciate them when I came to Colonial. Arthur Rauner was the pastor back then, and uh, he had a high appreciation for all of these rituals and special days and uh, ways of remembering uh, the truths of the faith as lived out in the church here. I remember during, uh, during Lent, uh, this was a number of years ago now, of course, but during Lent he would have a series of breakfasts on Saturday morning. We'd all come to the church and we'd sit on a table that was in the shape of a cross. We had a great breakfast, and then he'd do his Bible study, and we'd get to know each other. And, but that was part of the Lenten observance for me, those breakfasts, that, that Bible study, and the opportunity to get to know people in our community. Yeah, that's fabulous. I, I have a similar story, even though uh, I, I grew up in a you know, sort of nominally Christian home, but we were, we were in the Methodist church. And Lent, I don't really remember it being as big of a deal. You know, certainly Advent was more of a big deal. I heard some of that and remember those kinds of celebrations. But uh, Lent was never central, really, until I got involved with this community. So I've really enjoyed, though, being here and getting into the rhythm. And in a sense, learning to value the church calendar. Uh, that's not something typically either from a Baptist or a Methodist or those type of traditions that we we oftentimes I think you find in those communities that we don't always value the church calendar and what the purpose of the calendar is, which is to give us a sense of place where we are in the story, give us a sense of rhythms, but also disrupt the other calendar that dominates our life, which is the seven days a week calendar, you know, the constant work calendar, etc. So it's nice to have those those rhythms. So as Mark mentioned, we're talking today about Lent and the Lenten season. And uh, just for those of you who who are new to Lent, or for folks who have had experiences like Mark described, uh, at this community, either with Arthur or with other folks uh, on staff, Lent is really a time that typically is associated with uh, with the Greek word metanoia, right? Which can also mean, or which can be translated as repentance, but I think is better understood as something like turning, yes, right? having your mind changed, turning, turning around, and and actually the 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 term Lent, interestingly enough, is uh, this is the English word and it's it's unique in that if you look at other churches around the world uh, using their own home language they will typically describe this period using some derivation of the of the word of the word for 40 because it's for 40 days this period that precedes uh, holy week leading up into easter uh, the the thing that's interesting about our word lent is that it's actually an old english word that also means lengthen 
and uh, so the the this is the period of of the days lengthening, and so typically, obviously, right? If it's English, it's going to be Northern Hemisphere, and you think about spring coming on. But there's also kind of an interesting uh, sort of theological element at play there, which is this sense that just like the days get longer, not because we make them get longer, but because of God's grace in a sense, or because the season itself turns, so also Lent is a time in which we can be stretched and we can be uh, have the experience of growth, not necessarily because of the things that we do, but perhaps because of the ways that we make ourselves available to God, for, for God to work in us. I think that's one of the ways that we often will think about the practices of Lent. I think that's a really positive way to look at it. When I was first hearing about Lent, uh, when I was growing up, it always seemed to have the connotation of something focused on sin and, like you mentioned, repentance. But it was always the I'm so bad kind of focus rather than God is so good. And uh, so I've, I've come to appreciate this idea of uh, Lent as a time of reflection, a time of meditation, a time of paying attention. Mm and uh, allowing myself not only to be aware of the places that I need to change and grow and develop, but uh, the things that God is already doing in my life to help me uh, accomplish those things and experience those things. And I can concur. When I did hear about Lent, it was typically a dour, downer almost. I mean, it yes. starts with Ash Wednesday. And, and of course, I've grown to really appreciate what Ash Wednesday means. But when you're younger and you don't have all that context, they're putting ashes on your forehead. It seems a little creepy. And yeah, yeah and reminding, the, reminding you at this young age that you're going to die, <laughs> uh, which is true, of course, that we're all sort of finite and limited. Uh, it does seem to put a certain kind of tone on it. So thinking about Lent in this other kind of way, <coughs> I think is uh, can be very, 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 very positive. This year, our each year, of course, during Lent, we have a theme that we like to try to focus our sermon series around and some of the Lenten um, opportunities that we're offering around. This year, the theme is going to be called Rhythms of Faith. And the idea is to explore some of the practices that are traditionally associated with Lent but maybe with an eye towards this more positive approach uh, that we've been talking about. And what I mean by that is Lent is not necessarily a time in which you sort of pull up your, you know, your, your spiritual bootstraps and you kind of make yourself more Christian or whatever. But it can be a time in which you take on or you let go of certain practices specifically so that God can enter into your life in a new way. I think that's kind of the objective. So... Those three practices, I think, are uh, the ones, at least, that we're going to focus on are ones that you've thought, I think, a fair amount about, right, Mark? Well, I have, especially the, the focus on prayer. A number of years ago, one of the things that I realized is that if I write prayers, I, it, it helps focus my attention and helps me express my faith and express my understanding of God's grace and, and my relationship uh, with God. So I started doing that. I've done it in a number of situations. I've written prayers for Advent. I've written prayers for Lent. I've written prayers for uh, just general discipleship. I've written, written prayers for specific people. Remember this one gentleman said, uh, Mark, would you write a prayer for me? 
Well, I'd gotten to know him quite a, quite a lot through our Thursday morning uh, study. And so I wrote a prayer for him, and he was delighted. He said, this really expresses who I am and what I want for, from God and what I want for God. And so just writing prayers for people or for holy days or for certain contexts uh, helps me express my faith. Well, and I, I can just concur that, uh, so I've, you know, sometimes someone will ask you to write a prayer for a baptism. Uh, of course, participating in worship, we get a chance, uh, at least I know I write my prayers out, because I know if I don't write my prayers out, I'll just sit up there and cry the whole time. Uh, and that's, you can laugh, you can feel free to laugh if you're listening in on the podcast, because you know what I'm talking about. But I, I do find that writing out your prayers is... Uh, it takes a lot of thought and focus and a sense of, you know, pathway of where you're going. And it can be something that really opens you up in a really profound way, because not only are you writing a prayer for others, you're also being reminded of the broader context in which you live, the, the bigger concerns of the world that prayer should, of course, take up. And, and I think, actually, speaking of prayer, though, you've written a few. You have a couple, I think, that you might you were talking about maybe sharing with us. Is that right? Yeah, this is, uh, this is from a, a series of prayers I wrote for the Jesus' seven last words. Uh, I wrote it a few years ago. But what I do, you know, when I write these prayers, I'll come back to them and read them the following year and the following year. Let me read a couple of them for you, if I could, from this series that I wrote, this one for each of the seven last words of Jesus. Uh, so the first word, as you might remember, is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So I wrote this prayer for our own confession. Here it is. Lord, for the times I'm acutely aware of how someone has hurt me and only mildly aware of how I have wounded another, Lord, have mercy. For the times I judge myself by my intentions and judge others by the impact of their words and actions, Lord, have mercy. For the times I casually realize my sin afterwards and want to deny it, Lord, have mercy. For the times I realize my sin at the moment and want to excuse it, Lord, have mercy. For the times I realize my sin beforehand and march ahead pretending to ignore it, Lord, have mercy. And for the times that by your Spirit I get a glimpse of your grace and mercy, Lord, have mercy. For the times that by your Spirit I see what needs to change and move in that direction, Lord, have mercy for your amazing grace to me. Wow. Lord, thank you. Amen. Amen. Would you mind sharing what the process is for you when you sit down to write these out? Are you, you obviously in this case, you have the seven last words. Do you, do you pray beforehand? Do you have an idea about where you might be going? What's that like for you as others think about the possibility of doing that maybe during this, this season? Well, if I have a particular process in mind, like in this situation, I was writing one prayer for each of the seven last words. Mm. So I'm reflecting on it. I'm reading the scriptures, of course. Now, what I did for this series, I also collected a few other quotes before I wrote the prayer. So, Father, forgive them. Uh, 
You know, I think of the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, that was in the back of my mind. Uh, the verse from Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then the old African spiritual, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. That stance of humility and recognizing all of us have, have needs, it's not the other person. And then from the Lord's Prayer, our Father, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. So both confessing our sin, but also being willing to forgive one another was there. And then uh, a quote by Anne Lamott, a very interesting author. She said, I have three prayers. Lord, help me, help me, help me, is one. The second one is, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the third one is, wow. So, Lord, I need your help. Lord, thank you for your help. And then, Lord, you're amazing. And uh, you impress me and amaze me throughout my life. Wow. So those, all those quotes were kind of in the back of my mind when I started writing this particular prayer. Well, I think that's really a, actually quite beautiful and, and instructive in <clears throat> certain kinds of ways because, it, you know, you sort of think about the Psalter, which, which is right the, the kind of sometimes described as the school of prayer. And what I mean by that is that you, you, you listen or you use the words of others to eventually find your own words, right? So you get caught up into this bigger conversation and there's nothing wrong. In fact, that seems like that's, that's, what, it, that's what prayer in some ways is. We have to be schooled in how to pray and, um, and how to you know, craft our words or think about the orientation or the, the concerns that might be on our hearts. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Do you have another prayer for us? Uh, yes. Uh, also, other people's words and certainly scripture are a catalyst for our own thinking, our own reflection, meditation, and our own experiences and the emotions we have in those experiences then can come out in our, in our prayer. So the, the second word was, truly I tell you today you will be with me in paradise. And of course, Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And then from Job, for I know that my Redeemer lives and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I will see God. So it's, it's this hope that we have uh, for eternal life and that this life isn't the end. This life can be wonderful and be very difficult, but it's not the end. There's a home with God someday. So here's the prayer I wrote with that in mind. Oh Lord, at times our deep wonder morphs into deep worry. Your important promise for our life beyond this world, it's not nothingness, not simply ceasing to exist, not just disappearing act. It's something extraordinary. But what? Beyond our comprehension, Yet while it's unknown to us, it's known to you. You've gone before. It doesn't end with death. You've led the way. You invite us to follow into eternity. It's fully out of our control. It's by invitation only. And we believe you are with us now. We'll be with us then in the hour of our death. And we will be together with you forever. Amazing thought. 
together forever, life eternal. Wonderful, full of wonder for us, new existence beyond our imagination. Amen. Amen. That was a beautiful, beautiful prayer, Mark. And thank you for sharing your experience and the process that you go through as you kind of construct these prayers. I think that can be very instructive for uh, folks who are listening. If you're thinking about taking up or adding something, some dimension to your prayer life or maybe reviving your prayer life. I know that I struggle with a prayer life. A lot of us struggle with these kinds of things. The other, uh, the other two practices that we are going to be focusing on in our theme rhythms of faith are fasting and almsgiving. And uh, I, without kind of getting too far ahead of where different sermons and different ways that uh, the different preachers will engage that, I can at least say I've had some experiences with fasting when I was younger. I, I mentioned before that I grew up Methodist, but it was a nominal, we were a nominally Christian home, and I didn't really have a much of a faith until probably in college. But when I was in college, I had the opportunity to fast a couple of times, like actual, just only water for three days kinds of experiences. And it was quite profound, uh, particularly that third day. That second day, you're just, nobody wants to be around you the second day because you're just in a terrible mood. <laughs> but once you break, it's kind of like a breakthrough. You go through this process of weaning your body off of food, right? Winning your body off of the sustenance that typically you would have in order to find a different kind of sustenance. And something happens on that third day where you reach a certain kind of mental and spiritual clarity that is really unlike anything else I've ever experienced. Um, I, have you had experiences like that with fasting or? Well, I, I tell you what, when I was in high school, I, I especially during the winter, I used to fast once a week. Mm. I was out for wrestling, and the wrestlers would all stop eating a day and a half before their wrestling matches because most of us were overweight. So that was my experience with fasting. It wasn't a pleasant experience. It, it kind of gave me a negative attitude toward fasting, even as a spiritual discipline. I had a little experience with doing it as a spiritual discipline, but not, not often. Well, and, and to be clear, just to kind of affirm, it is not pleasant. <laughs> if, you, if, you're gonna, if we're talking about that kind of fasting, uh, it's, it's not. But, but if you make it through to that second and a half, third day, it really, there is really something profoundly unique that I think happens, a sort of clarity. Well, it's a, it's a different kind of discipline because you're not fasting for weight loss yeah. like we were back in high school. That's right. Uh, you're fasting for a, a spiritual clarity and a spiritual focus. And you have something positive to focus on, not just the fact that I'm hungry. So even being hungry can be a reminder of a spiritual kind of hunger and a spiritual kind of thirst. So it's a quite, quite a different experience. Yeah. I think one of the things that, that when I think about these three practices, you know, not just that, they're, that they appear during Lent and they, they're kind of traditional emphases, that it does feel like there's sort of an internal connection uh, to prayer, fasting, almsgiving, that revolves sort of around, I don't know if, it, if we would want to call it renunciation, because that certainly would be, you know, more of a typical, but 
there's something about it in which we we are putting ourselves in a situation where where we are declaring our need right whether and even in even in the practice of almsgiving right saying i'm not going to hold on to my possessions rather i'm going to release them and and that can look like different things i'm sure it can look very differently for different people obviously fasting uh, if you're talking about actual fasting from food that can look that way. It can be a kind of discipline where perhaps you're you're setting aside something, and maybe it's a complete fast, or maybe you're just fasting from chocolate or something like that. And um, I would see it as a matter of saying no to something by saying yes to something else. No. So if if I'm giving, I'm saying no to my own tendency to withhold, and to hoard, and to protect what's mine. And I'm saying no to that. I'm saying I'm gonna I'm gonna give freely and that becomes a joy in itself so as you're thinking about ways to engage in the lenten season whether that means taking on new practices whether that means revamping old practices or finding new ways to let some things go we want to make you aware of the opportunities as a community at least that we are offering as most people know, the Lenten season starts with uh, an Ash Wednesday service. The, this year, that's going to be on March 2nd at 7 p.m. So please mark your calendar and be sure to, to join us for that. Then the following week, we have another service. Is that correct, Mark? Yeah, there's a prayer vigil that we're inviting everyone to join us for and uh, a time just to reflect and pray and uh just allow God to uh, guide our thoughts and, and our actions for the Lenten season. And the, the joy is that we get to do that together. And so we invite people to join that, that prayer vigil. And that'll be on March 8th, which I think is the following Tuesday. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, and uh, in addition to that, we'll be, uh, we will be making available a Lenten devotional. This year, a Lenten devotional is by Beth Richardson, and it's called Walking in the Wilderness. And a Lenten devotional is a wonderful uh, tool that you can use. Typically, each day, it'll have a brief reading, maybe a brief scripture and a prayer, and it can help you to orient yourself as you walk through the 40 days of Lent, which of course is also kind of patterned after this notion of Jesus's last 40 days as he makes his way into Jerusalem and to the events of the Passion and Resurrection. In addition to that, uh, we will be featuring this year a Stations of the Cross uh, opportunity, and that is more than likely, I think, gonna be in the meeting house. We're still deciding exactly where we're gonna hang that. But it will be available to members of the community whenever the building is open. So you can come and there will be a pamphlet available to you and you can sort of process through the Stations of the Cross. The pamphlet will offer prayers and other meditative components to help you focus and reflect and in a sense enter into Jesus' journey as he made his way from uh, his trial to the cross itself. Uh, so certainly something to help focus, particularly as we enter into Holy Week. You know, as we kind of come to a conclusion, I think it would only be appropriate, Mark, for you to perhaps pray us out with one of the prayers that you uh, have have constructed from the past. So would you mind praying for us? Oh, I'd be glad to. And thank you for this opportunity, Christian. I've enjoyed talking with you this it's afternoon. Been fun. It's been fun. 
So this is from uh, word number seven, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And there's this wonderful verse in Galatians 2. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And with that in mind, I, I offer this prayer. Our Father, we are yours completely. We let it go now. Live or die, we present to you all our rationalizations, all our self-righteousness. We get it finally, that you forgive completely and accept unconditionally. Amazing that you want to spend eternity with us. You see beyond both our self-importance and also our self-criticism. Thank you, Lord of the universe, that you have something special in mind for us. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, Mark, for joining us in this special edition of the Faith and Podcast. And we pray a blessing on all of you out there. Hope that you have a wonderful week. And uh, we look forward to seeing you hopefully sometime either here on campus at our church or out and about in the world or interacting online. Cheers, everybody. Uh -huh.